On today's podcast, we are thrilled to have Wendy Felstate, VP of Design at Crash Electronics, a global leader in audiovisual optimizations and integrations. With over 30 years of experience, Wendy oversees and engineers the creation of Crash mechanical products and is named on more than 73 patents. She is the firm believer in employee development and empowering young girls and women to pursue STEM education. Wendy is also committed to giving back her community and volunteers her time on several local boards. We are excited to hear her inspiring story. Welcome to our podcast on Industry 4.0. The fourth industrial revolution that is transforming the way we manufacture, communicate, and operate. In this podcast, we will explore the advancements in technology and how they are revolutionizing the manufacturing industry. From automation, robotics, and machine learning to the Internet of Things and big data, we will delve into the possibilities and challenges of Industry 4.0. Our guests will include industry leaders, experts, and innovators who will share their insights and experiences on this rapidly evolving field. Join us as we explore the future of manufacturing and its impact on the global economy. We're here in Crestron on-site live with Wendy Felstein, and um, we have the pleasure to spend a few minutes with Wendy out of her really hectic schedule. <laughs> and thank you so much, Wendy. Well, thank you. Good to see you. Yeah, appreciate it. So Crystron started in 1969. Well, by... it's technically 1972 when we became officially Crestron Electronics Incorporated. Oh, so. great. Um, I'm sure at the early days, uh, it's a really tough startup. Do you have any memory? Can you tell oh, us a little course. bit about it? Of course. I lived through the whole thing. So um, my dad got fired, and he started a company in our basement, in our house in Creskill. And it was a split-level house. And one day, he was not at work, and he was home in the basement. And we came home, and we're like, oh, dad's in the basement. And he put in a phone, and he's like, don't answer that phone no matter what happens. And we're like, okay. So the, back then, you didn't ignore phone rings. Yeah. You know, people don't realize that. But any time a phone rang, you answered right away. So we, we'd look down, and we'd just stare at this phone ringing in the basement. And then I wasn't very good at spelling. I inherited that from him. I got better as I read, learned to read over the years. But um, so he would quiz me on spelling tests in the basement while he was at a drafting, an old wooden drafting board with this beautiful blue graph paper, uh, drafting out schematics and things because he's an electrical engineer by degree, and he was picking up whatever projects he could. So I look at his drafting tools and things, and I was so fascinated with them. And then if I got a hundred on my spelling tests, you know, because he'd be quizzing me awesome. down in the basement. Then he'd make me like a giant airplane out of it, or he'd rub press-on la- letters and say, good job. And so that's how we kind of started fixing everything and anything with an ad in the yellow pages. So then it built from there, and he got certain jobs and certain things. And then me and my sister, uh, who were in like kindergarten and first grade at the time, started doing assembly work in one level up in the playroom. <laughs> Um, and doing certain things. And um, then he eventually uh, got rented some space in Closter over a deli. 
that had really good orange soda and cannolis that oh, were like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the treat. And so we'd always be at work hanging out, or if my mom had to do something with my sister, they'd dump me there, and I'd have to watch my brothers, and I'd come up with fun activities for them to do. Or even in first grade, I was like, I want to go in and help. So I went in, and I was bending resistors and capacitors. It was a little red form, and I'd bend resistors and capacitors. And he was doing weird things like there's a take a bite out of crime dog. He was automating that, and a little R2-D2-type robot. Um, and he was doing certain automation controls on them for people and doing kind of independent work. And then he got... He hired an employee, and he hired two employees, and then he had different equipment until he eventually went around the whole top of that deli and kept adding rooms on, which was kind of fun. Wow. And then um, he outgrew that, so he moved to 40 John Street, which was more of a first floor with a big um, garage door, so it was easier to get things in and out. And there I spent one uh, April vacation helping make the uh, signs that went into Lowe's theaters that said, candy, candy, pop, popcorn, pop, popcorn. <laughs> and I was gripping sockets and putting them into this metal back plane, and then it would flip down and go into an assembly, and then we'd put the decorative cover on top, and then I'm sitting there screwing in little light bulbs that color matched. And my is dad was colorblind, so we had to help him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is that how you become a woman engineer? Um, well, I'm this? technically an industrial designer. I oversee all of the mechanical engineers, mechanical designers, the state-of-the-art prototype shop where I helped handpick each piece of equipment, and um, our documentation, our bill of materials, all of those things were things that I helped establish and progress, um, you know, uh, how we did those things over the years. But um, I just always was into the mechanical thing. I think it's just in my DNA. Like when I was in kindergarten, I was allowed to go into the basement and there were certain tools I was allowed to use when dad wasn't home and certain tools I had to wait for him to use. And I was just so into it. I was down there all the time playing around and he put a pressure forming machine in and he was making um, these pain suppressors, which was unique at the time. And there was a Dr. Saul Liss that he worked with who they made the electronic pain suppressor where they would put two probes and, and run the electrodes through to stimulate the muscles, which helped with pain suppressment. And that was so unique. Now you yeah. go to get physical therapy and everybody and their brother has one and you can even buy one for 20 bucks at CVS now, right? But back then it was so rare and unique and it, it he was has a patent on it. Yeah. yeah. And so he had a pressure form then, but of course he was also very artistic. So he was building out of clay this um, Count Zorsky, we called him, mask. Wow. And so he and I were down there and we're like really into it. And then he pressure form it and I wanted to paint them and uh, we talked about all so I started to learn these things it was just in my nature to like it you know he'd be like hey want to go for a ride I'd be like yeah I wouldn't even ask where we were going it's just like we're going somewhere I'm gonna do and if it was the hardware store oh man he would go off doing his thing and I might follow around and listen in but then I'd go off and I'd look at all the bolts and the screws and I just love the hardware store it's so rare for a woman (laughs) to be in that field well I think it's rare for women to get exposed to that field. I think there's lots of women who are interested in that, but then they're handed a Barbie doll. Yeah. So I never handed my kids Barbie dolls. The ones they got were presents from other people, giving mm-hmm. 
them things. Yeah. Um, I never handed my kids Barbie dolls. I took phones apart with them. Wow. And in, in I think, second grade, I was like, oh, look, I got another broken. there." And my daughter's like, I know, I know. It's an elastomer keypad that's underneath the caps, and then that's the circuit board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they know circuit boards since they were kids. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'd always take whatever was broken. Oh, the phone broke? Okay, great. Now we have a, a project to take apart. So. Amazing. So well, Crestron is the front pioneer for home automation, office automation, essentially the entire automation, the core. But we're trying to promote the industry 4.0 with automation for all the other businesses. Can you give us a few examples how Crestron did so well and how does automation become so ingredient into your DNA? Uh-huh. Well, 4.0 people see differently, right? Yeah. So some people say there's only one real industrial revolution. But some people see these four as counting coal, mm-hmm. electricity, nuclear, and now four is really green energy, right? And so that part of it I really like. So, um, like, we just had a meeting about something, and I was like, you can't make an art project out of it. You can't glue that. You can't overmold the metal and the plastic. You have to keep it simple. You have to keep it clean. I need to... Ideally, if I could snap something apart, drop it down, and then have an automated sorter sorted into recycling, we need to design and think that way. We can't always get it exactly that way, but we have to. That has to be the goal that we're working towards. And from day one, when I came in years ago, back in the early '90s, we had styrofoam corners. We had like eight styrofoam corners around a box, and then in another box. And I was like, "This is nuts!" So I got rid of that. I got rid of all the styrofoam many years ago, decades ago, and I put. Um, end caps that were corrugated on a smaller box, and I did drop testing and proved out that we didn't need to do all this overpackaging and kept the packaging smaller. Then I kind of pushed that for somebody else. So now I'm kind of taking that back a little bit and really pushing hard, and we have some good solutions for better environmental friendly packaging, smaller packaging, and I think the industry's changed a little bit. It used to be I need to open the box and have everything I need in it. Mm-hmm. And then it'd be like I five different mounting options, but you only used one or you didn't use any, and now that's all garbage. Yeah. And people are finally seeing that they don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And also then some regulations like, oh, you have to pay to dispose of waste. So then people are actually now More finally conscious. coming around to it. Like, yeah. oh, okay, I buy this, and then I have to buy a mounting thing separate, and that becomes okay and normal instead of I need to open the box and everything's there, right? So. Yeah. I, I think it's good that the rest of the world's kind of coming around to this. And I've always tried to push, you know, when um, some of our product people are like, oh, we want this, and this. Was, do you really need it? Or can we sell this and then give these as options for mounting because you don't know? Or, hey, find out what percentage. Is it 98% of the people are mounting this way? Okay, include it, right? But if it's 50-50, then let's think of a different way to solve that problem. So sometimes you can, sometimes you can. It depends. But I always try to think that way and push that thinking so that other people are thinking that way. Absolutely. The whole world would really need this. And the Crestron achieved a huge jump in the past decade. What do you think some major shifts that Crestron took the initiative? Well, definitely the ITO of things, right? Um, being able to log on. You know, it used to be, okay, you're on site and you're touching a touch panel. And then years ago, we came out with apps on our phones, right? So that was a big thing about the IT of things. And then how much can you control in your home? And we came out with Ping, which said, okay, you can do your own home settings 
for shades or this or that and time things in certain ways so you don't have to have the dealer come in every time you want to like you're like well I'd really like the shades to go up at this time and wake my kid up in the morning or something <laughs> so you could kind of adjust that yourself so that's really where a lot of the ITO of things came into where you don't have to have the dealer the end user can control their environment a little more in that way and it also makes it better for the dealers because then the dealer instead of sending somebody out into the field says oh let me look and they say oh your system crashed and here's the warning and here's the error and i can fix this remotely for you and now your house is up and running in a matter of minutes or something right so we made things better as an overall user experience which That's is always my goal. I used to in this room we used to have the whiteboard on this side and somebody in the department printed out customer experience really because <laughs> I kept saying it so much yep. that they just put it up there as a reminder for everyone because I'm always like okay the customer opens the box this is their experience the customer has to install it what's their experience in installing it if and people are like oh well you just have to this I'm like no I have a 100 story building with 10 conference rooms and do I have to climb under the table do I have to do this do I need somebody else to help me handle this how can I do this with one person so they can complete the building in the shortest amount of time because they're not getting paid until this install's done so I always try to think that way and get everyone else to think that way and then um and then okay when you have to recycle it or break it apart or whatever where is it going you know what kind of thing can you do at the end and the ship packaging could you flatten it out and you know so i'm always thinking full customer experience and our customers are really our dealers or installers but also then we have the end users so i think of both things you know how well, and, and how and design for manufacturability right you yeah. can't make an art project that's one of my favorite sayings don't make it an art project you know get that glue out of there you can't jiggle it in and smush it down and you know like how is that automated right if i went down an automated line the com- computer has to come and drop the thing down it can't be jiggling and wiggling and we you know. saw that yeah that robot for your final test it was so amazing i mean i i can use it for example for every other factories now it's so instrumental you grow crestron you know with your dad after all this year but you also were a successful mom raised three talented daughters how do you encourage well i have three mom? kids two daughters and a son oh yeah, yeah. sorry and <laughs> then with a new generation how do you encourage you know the young generation women coming to engineering and be inspired in the science and automation world yeah so somehow um well when my kids were little and they did an invention convention in the elementary school and it, i thought that was impressive that they had second to fourth graders doing this and i love that and my daughter was so confused with the paperwork that the teacher gave them that i said okay come to work with me and i'll show you how an engineering notebook works it's not a do the design and then write notes about it to hand into the teacher as a report it's part of the process it's part of the design process it's keeping track of your ideas and thoughts and maybe going forward and backward to those thoughts and how that works and then i explained this to the teacher she said i wish all the kids could have this and so i said well and in true form my dad used to come in for 6th grade we had a teacher who loved science and each one of us knew we were going to have this teacher all four of us because i have three siblings knew we were going to have this teacher for 6th grade cuz he loved science and he always make sure we were in his class so my dad could come in and do demos <laughs> wow. we were in there 
And like I helped my dad do a laser thing and stuff in the classroom. So um, I was like, oh, aha,、uh-huh, you know. So that's I, in seventies. You already have laser. Yeah. For science project. Yeah, that was eighties.、Um, yeah. yeah, no, it was in the seventies. Seventies. Wow. <laughs> no, you but, don't.、Um, but so anyhow.、Um, So I was like, okay, here I'm channeling. You know, this is what you learn. You learn to give back. You learn to volunteer. That's my parents did that in a lot of different areas over the years, and so we saw that, and that's what I grew up with. And I like to think that's what I show my kids, and they see that. So I went in, and for several years I did that. And the teacher had told me a lot of the kids would all show up excited, and then most of them would drop it. And the year that I came in and talked to them and showed them what design is and explained to them that they. Weren't going to possibly make some automatic driving car and model it, but they could do a little sketch of it, or they could use some matchbox matchbox cars, or they could use popsicle sticks. And that if they did their first prototype and it looked horrible, that was good. That failure is part of the process, and we always talk about here fail fast because the one thing you can't get back is time, and that's another kind of Wendyism. I'm always saying <laughs> you can't get back time. Fail fast, fail often. That means you're pushing the boundaries, work in a radial way, so you're never linear. And、yeah. so these were things I kind of taught to the kids. And so then a lot more of them. It was like the biggest turnout ever that year of kids who followed the process all the way through. And also after I did that, the teacher changed her paperwork, so it made sense because a second grader doesn't know how to do an engineering notebook on just a blank piece of paper. They、yeah. need a little guidance. And so it was very successful for many years. My kids all participated in it and did some really fun projects. And their friends would all ask me for input or advice or help, or I'd see them. And then I volunteered、um, to run the Saturday. Well, I volunteered to help with Saturday workshops because I'm a working mom. So I was like, well, Saturdays I can go in and help. And then the woman was very organized. And then I took her organization and turned it all electronic and made it easier. And eventually did online registration and things. And I'd get volunteer parents. And I'd bring in technical things like ro- a robotics class and、um, a forensics class, and、wow. things to appeal to the older kids and the younger kids, and also art, knitting, and all sorts of different varieties of things,、um, and and sports they did too. So、um, when I was doing that, then all the kids would see me and recognize me from doing the invention convention kickoff, and they'd all like the, the technical kids would want to talk to me about it or. Things like that, and then over the years, just people come up to me. There's a Maya Notes, an all-girls school in Teaneck, and they asked me to come in as do like this TED talk with I think five other women for their annual Tech Day. And then they did a thing over here at our neighbors at the Jewish home where they did Carp Tank, and they had the kids interact with the seniors and come up with different devices to help different seniors and. So I helped them write the rubric for how to measure success、mm-hmm. to rate the projects, and then they put it on an iPad, and all the judges used that, which was kind of cool. And then kids would come up, you know, and when you're critiquing it, you're also giving them advice. I'm like, did you think about this? How would you handle that in the future? What would you like to do with this? So I asked those kind of questions, and. Uh, then they had to stop because of COVID, but I think they're. I just asked her, and they're going to be getting it up again, you know, because they can't have a lot of kids coming in with seniors.、Um, and then、um, I just 
uh, not this past weekend, the one before, I was over at Bergen Academies, which is one of the kind of specialty uh, public schools. And I helped judge a high school science fair, which I've done for the last, I think, six years maybe. And then in uh, June, I'll help again with the middle schoolers. And I'm, I wound up being a head judge after doing it for like a year. And I help. And I'll either judge in environmental science or engineering wherever they need me. And this year, we had 45 entries. Wow. And then, which is how more. could you manage that? You're oh, well, already so well. There busy. were a bunch of judges, and we all yeah. try. And you have to—it's teamwork. So we had to trust. So one person said to me something, and I said they were a new judge. I said you have to trust the other judges, and then. The head judges are usually people who've been doing it for a while, so we all trust and get each other. We're like, "Hey, did you see that one? What do you think?" And then they'll, you know, and we have conversations. Uh, or there's certain things I saw a particular one, and I saw there were three other types of projects, so I made sure I went and saw all three, yeah. and then nobody else had. So then I had each one of the section, not the head judge, but when we're in the section, I had each one, I'm like, well, tell me what you thought about that project, and tell me what you thought about the other project, and tell me what you thought about the other project, and then I would say how I thought they compared, and then they would talk again, and then we wound up with which one of those three projects should move wow. ahead. So you're already busy building Crestron, and now you're also busy <laughs> building community. How could you find yeah. any Oh, and I also that? volunteer for the YWCA. Oh. I help, um, I've done a couple virtual structural things. I was like, how for no money... And virtually, can I teach engineering, right? So yeah. um, index cards. So I came up <laughs> with a couple projects that we do with index cards. And I was like, get, grab a couple books around you. And then I have them build things. And, and then the test, okay, put one book. It stayed. I'm like, great, put a second book. Oh, it failed. Okay, great. Great, you got it to fail. That's wonderful. And the kids all look at me. And at first, they don't want to share. And once I start cheering them on for failing, then they all start wanting to show me everything. And they want to, and they learn fail fast. So they're trying instead of, you know, going really slow and waiting till the end. And um, then I give them a little thing, like, can you connect these colors and things? Okay, you might be a circuit board designer. And I call it um, a ghost job, you know, like here in the United States, nobody in high school is going, I want to be a circuit board designer yeah. and going to school for that. It's something that very, everybody very. kind of falls into. Yep. And um, they might never, ever know that this was the perfect career for them. They might go, well, I don't really want to go to engineering school, but I really like engineering or I understand electric circuitry, but I don't want to go through engineering. School. You know, And so how you can get into different areas that you have an affinity for but that you don't know about it because either you're not exposed or because the path you think to get there is way harder than what your brain's wired for or what you can afford. Yeah, exactly. But I know your time is really tight, and today <laughs> we have this power lunch that's going to be a nice feast for my brain. Um, before you go, I just wondered, can you give us a few nuggets for other women engineers in your position? How do you make them you know, more inspired and get better with their life? Well, I really think the next generation of girls slash women inspire me mm. because they've really come into their own. The world around us has seen that women need to be respected more. Mm -hmm. None of these old games that I saw when I was growing up yeah. um, that were still teetering between and certain industries have moved out of sooner than others. And... Um, so just keep being the powerful, strong women they are. 
Be polite, be professional, but stand up for yourself and ask for what you deserve. Because I think from us, we just went in, tried to prove ourselves, tried to be better than everyone else, did all sorts of stuff, didn't raise the flag and go, look what I did, look what I did, I did this, I did that. And we just hoped somebody would notice and give it to us. That works in the male world. And even today, I see it still works in the male world. A guy can be mediocre and get promoted. A woman has to be the best she can be. And then she has to jump up and down and say what she did, just, you know, and ask for that, or she's yeah. not going to get it. And when she does that, she might get judged for being like, oh, they're, they're too ar- yeah. arrogant or talking about themselves, whatever. But... If a guy did it, it's seen differently. So we still have a long way to go with our society about preconceived notions and about people stuck in an older world. But the younger generation, and especially my kids are in their 20s now and in their young 20s, and I can see the world through them, which is a beautiful gift they give me. And I learn a lot from them every day. And I think we see a lot of sad things going on in the world with people trying to step on people's rights in this Mm -hmm. country and in other countries instead of being accepting. But my kids' generation as a whole is way more accepting, way willing to change, way willing to see through the eyes of somebody else's experience and know that their success doesn't detract from my success or their way of thinking doesn't have to be my way of thinking. And we can be coexisting, you know, without hating on each other. And so that gives me hope against the hate that we see forming around the world. And so I would just say, you know, keep sticking with positive, keep building a positive world around you. Um, And I've seen people, when I was a kid, people be like, I'm not having kids, I'm not bringing kids into this world, was a thing people said. But I said, I'm going to bring kids into the world and raise them to be beautiful beautiful people in a world where they respect people, respect planet. And my kids really have grown up to be that way. And I'm so proud of them. And so I like to think lessons learned, but also it had to be inside them to want to be that way as well. And they just are so empathetic to the world around them. The things they choose to do involve helping people, helping society, helping planet, um, and it's, it's a nice thing, and, and their generation sees things that way. So if we keep pushing that way, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, it'll be a good thing. Great. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of us. Thank Very you. Very good. And yeah. I'm glad that two women are sitting here together because... Yes. And we're in Crestron, the world-leading company into home automation, essentially is a life automation.